Hello all, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Don and Ellie, and with me tonight is my guest, Nikki Williams. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Ah, nice. Uh, just the way I like my guests. <laughs> oh, yes. I literally have been binging your episodes, and... <laughs> No, I really, I love top 10 lists. They are my jam. So when you had the, the invite out for looking for guests, my sister's like, Nikki, you should do this. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's looking for guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a uh, little bit of a, you know, thanks to Lacey for uh, suggesting you because um, I've, I've kind of been wanting to talk to you for a while ever since hearing you on your show. So. Aw, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for tonight's episode, we are going to be doing our favorite PG-13 horror films. So, pretty uh, interesting topic, so uh, let's get a uh, little bit of background on uh, what we were doing and, uh, you know, selection process, anything we uh, did for our list and um, all that kind of stuff. All right. So, my thought process for choosing PG-13 horror films is I know that it can be kind of a controversial topic in the horror community, but I have so many movies that are my favorites that are rated PG-13, and there are some genuine ones on my list here that really did genuinely scare me. So I wanted to talk about some of those, and I'm also excited to see what you recommend, because from your past shows, I've noticed that you have a tendency to recommend movies that... I haven't even heard of. So I have like a pen and paper here and I'm ready to write down <laughs> some of your suggestions. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, to be a little bit of a spoiler, Nancy, here, um, I, <laughs> I don't really have off-the-wall recommendations. I may have, I, I would probably say, I, I kind of favor some pretty, I, I, I kind of favor, um, you know, hated classics or, uh, you know, not necessarily you know, ones that are held in high regard. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the minority on uh, a few titles, so they're, they're, I, I, I don't have any obscure or it's like, what the hell? I've never heard of that. <laughs> so, because um, unfortunately with this being a PG-13, so there's a definitive rating involved, mm -hmm. um, it kind of sticks to, you know, you, you kind of have to stick to, uh, you know, theatrical released films or those that are, you know, at least uh, intended to be there that unfortunately didn't get there. Mm -hmm. So that uh, it kind of rules off, you know, like that, you know, obscure indie film that nobody's heard of or anything like that. So, yeah, um, I yeah, found that to be pretty challenging as well when I was making my list, um, trying to think back to my younger days when I was maybe had seen something that um, maybe somebody else hadn't seen before. I found that um, to be a challenge too as I was creating my list. Yeah, that, um, trying to, uh, you know, look back and think it's like, okay, I, I've seen this one, I've seen that one, I've seen, you know, this one's got to be there, that one's got to be there. And then it's like, okay, was there anything else that was kind of close that would fit it's like do i check imdb do i check wikipedia do i you know go to like uh you know rotten tomatoes or any place like that and try to like you know cross pollinate and like make sure i'm not like mandela affecting anything that's you know <laughs> pg or something or 
um, you know, something like that, because, I mean, it was PG-13, so there, it had to be, like, the definitive um, rating for it, so, yeah, that was kind of where um, I, I spent a couple of, I, I spent a little bit longer than I, I probably wanted to, uh, checking to make sure, because um, I, I did have a, an outline of where I wanted my list to be, um, my top five or six, I was pretty, pretty convinced on where I, I kind of had to kind of scowl for the, the back half just to make sure, but I, I, I think I've come up with something that's, um, you know, maybe there's a, a forgotten entry or two. Uh, maybe there's one that people are going to be like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that, but I haven't heard, I haven't, you know, talked about it in years. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's probably where my list is going to be, um, at least on the back half. Um, again, I, I, I kind of favor some, uh, you know, not necessarily highly rated films, so I'm probably going to have one or two that people are going to be like, why are you choosing that <laughs> one for this list? But, I mean, that's the fun of it all, so. I'm sure that that's what kind of reaction my list will get as well because a, a lot of the films on my list as well or some of them were not highly regarded either and I have my own personal preferences as to why I love them so much so it'll just be interesting to see what your list is compared with mine and why we love the films that we chose and like you I did have um I was making sure that my films, too, were rated PG-13 and that they were classified in the horror genre. So um, the films on my list, there's a wide variety. There's horror comedy, horror drama, horror mystery, horror thriller. As long as it had horror on it, then I, I figured it was good to go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I've got a couple of, um, you know... Yeah, a couple comedies. I've got a uh, you know a couple ghost movies. I've got a couple creature features. I've got uh, a slasher too. Um, so I I think we've kind of uh, got enough with this. So uh, <laughs> right on. Yeah. So uh, we want to uh, start the list off. Uh, have any preference or start the list off with? Yeah. So, uh, you're number 10 then, or my uh, number 10? Like I uh, said, uh... Gotcha. Yeah, we could start with my number 10. So, my number 10 is the 2021 film Old. And it's categorized as a horror drama mystery. It's directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And when it comes to M. Night Shyamalan films, they're typically hit or miss for me. I either really love his films or really hate them. And this is one that I absolutely loved. I saw this in the theater when it came out. And what it's about is this couple, they are in the process of getting a divorce, but they want to take their two children on this final family vacation. And while they're there, they get this invitation to this secluded beach, but what they don't know is that this island causes the people on it to age rapidly. And there are so many powerful messages that this film brings in terms of like the aging process, how 
important it is to stay present in the moment, to not wish your life away, to really spend time with those that you love. And also, I think it really does a really beautiful job of bringing through how there is a fear of getting older and how it's important to just cherish every moment that we have. And I just thought that this was, there are a lot of really horrific elements within it as well. Um, the way that physical illness is brought through. So basically it's like they, for every 30 minutes that they're on this island, a year of their life goes by. And to me, that's absolutely terrifying. But yeah, that's my number 10. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like you uh, with M. Night. Um, he's hit or miss. Uh, this one is probably the lowest rated of my hits. <laughs> um, so he's, he's this was, uh, it's right on like the borderline between like I like it, but then I have like a lot of issues with it. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's too much going on. I think there, uh, I, I really like the idea. I think the, you know, concept is terrifying. I, it, the thing that bothers me is just the last half. I think it just goes too off the beaten path into a twist that I don't necessarily wanted to see, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, try not to, you know, spoil it because it's M. Night, um, but... Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the twist itself, I, I'm still not entirely sure where I stand on that. Mm-hmm. I, I think the idea is fine. I think, you know, some of the imagery is you know, chilling. I, you know, the concept is, you know, handled well. Yeah, there's just a few little ticks here and there, but um, like I said, I, I'm usually hit or miss with him, and this is like the lowest rated of the ones I like. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like right on that borderline between like and didn't care for, so. Yeah, I yeah. can totally see why people wouldn't like this film. For me, it, it did hit me more emotionally and the twist at the end I actually did really feel that it was tragic um and the way that the characters bring the essence of what's going on this island it really hit home with me and that's why I chose it as part of my top 10. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, like I said, I had enough fun with it that I, I don't necessarily hate it. I, I just have, you know, it, it's more than uh, I'm willing to get into on a topic like this for it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, right on. Well, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so uh, my number 10, uh, like I said, I, I kind of champion some films that not necessarily a lot like. And uh, that one is true for um, my pick. It's uh, 2009's The Uninvited. Oh, right on. Yeah, so uh, this is, um, I think it's either the very last one or right at the tail end of the uh, J-horror craze that kind of went on in the early 2000s. Um, you know, Ring, Grudge, uh, Dark Water, One Miss Call, uh, Shudder, um, Pulse. Oh, come on, brain think. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, a, a couple of others, and this is either the very last one, or it's like right at the tail end. Um, it's a remake of a Korean film called uh, Tale of Two Sisters, which is an absolute masterpiece. I, I really recommend that one. Uh, fantastic film. But uh, basically it involves a uh, woman who uh, 
finds her sister coming home from her stay at a mental hospital and learns that her dad, their dad has moved on with uh, the nurse who used to care for their ill mother. And over time, they eventually discover that there's a ghost haunting the area and they try to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to, you know, keep it, you know, not necessarily spoiler free, but, uh, you know, I, I really love this movie. Um, I've always, I was a huge fan of that uh, J-horror scene. I actually don't even really think any of them are really all that bad. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, uh, like I said, One Missed Call and The Grudge. Um, I even really kind of like Shudder to a degree, which I think is one of the more lambasted ones. Um, I think that one and Pulse are probably the two that get crapped on the most, but... Um, for Uninvited, I, I really liked it. Uh, the atmosphere is fantastic. They used the uh, same setup as the original, which was just absolutely chilling. The ghost is uh, absolute nightmare fuel. I love the scenes that it's involved in, and there's a, a few pretty decent jump scares if you can get into the mystery. Now, I understand why that there's going to be a lot of people that crap on it, and it's because it reuses the same twist that the original pulled off, and... In context, I understand that it works, but I can I can see why a lot of people would be turned off by it because it does the exact same thing, and it does it in the exact same way as well. I mean, the scenes where they reveal it are near shot for shot, so if you're familiar with the original and you start seeing the sequences play out, you know exactly where it's going because it plays them in the same manner. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I can see where a lot of people would be turned off by that, but um, I, I'm involved in the mystery. I like where it goes. Uh, I, I have enough fun with it that I, I think it's pretty undervalued. Um, again, I can see why not a lot would like it, but um, I have enough fun with it. Um, so for me, it's my uh, number 10. It's uh, The Uninvited. Yeah, I like The Uninvited. And one thing that really stood out to me with that film was the the relationship between the the younger the younger girls in that with the stepmom and i think that brought through a very cool element of how those relationships can kind of be strained sometimes where you know where a child will go you're not my you're not my mom you're not my dad um i thought that that film did a good job with the relationship aspect in addition to the horror elements. I like yeah. that one too. I like that one too. All right. Nice. So uh, <laughs> we'll move on to number nine. My number nine is the 2005 film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. This was categorized as a horror drama thriller directed by Scott Derrickson. And this film follows a lawyer that is seeking to be a senior partner. And she takes on this case of a priest who is charged with a negligent homicide, in which it was 19-year-old Emily Rose. Apparently, she died while this priest was trying to exercise her. And this story is roughly based on a true story. And when I first saw this film, I was in college, and I watched it while I was by myself in my college dorm. And 
in that movie, she is actually in her college dorm where she starts to have these, like, episodes and these delusions where she just first starts to become possessed by a demon. And the way that she's, like, she contorts her body. I was watching it alone in my college dorm room. She's in a college dorm room. And it has just imprinted nightmares on me ever since. Like, this, for a PG-13 movie about possession, it's pretty effective. And it was also interesting how it flashes back between her possession, um, where they're telling the story about her being possessed, and then the, the courtroom trial going on at the same time it will flash back and forth between those two and it's just it's a movie that always left me on edge and it's also about possession which is one of the things that scares me the most when it comes to horror films just being out of control in that way so this movie has always kind of been branded in my mind Nice. Uh, we will be talking about that at a later point since it is on my list. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll save my thoughts on it for then. All right, cool. So I'll move on to my number nine. Um, for those that know me that know uh, this pick won't necessarily be that much of a surprise, um, I, I kind of had to put one of these on here. Um, I went with 2019's The Meg. Right on. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those that know me know that I can't, uh, you know, leave well enough alone with my shark movies, and uh, <laughs> had to put one of them on here. Um, so I, I was really torn between this and uh, the Shallows, um, which um, I will say right now is a, an honorable mention, and I was really close to putting it on, but um, I, I, I kind of like the Meg just a little bit more because I think it goes more for the the spectacle that I really like. Uh, I. I grew up on action movies, so uh, I was a huge fan of Jason Statham long before I was, uh, you know, invested in this one, so I, you know, I appreciate a lot of those stuff. Uh, the spectacle of the shark attacks are just absolutely cheesy fun. Um, I love just, you know, the beach massacre, the attack on the whale, the first sequence down in the submersible, the, they're just, you know, fun over-the-top action sequences that I, I really enjoy. Um, it's just absolutely fun, uh, you know, all the way through to it. You know, it's a two-hour running time that doesn't feel it. There's, uh, you know, just great chase sequences all over the place. Uh, fantastic twist um, involving uh, the true identity of the creature. Um, you know, you get, like, you know, you know one, this one fantastic sequence that uh, not a lot of people realize is actually a, a twist um, because it's all over the trailers for it, but... Um, I have just a lot of fun with it. Um, it's definitely one of the, you know, my kind of movies. Um, do I wish there was a lot of gore in this? Mm, maybe, but I, I don't <laughs> think there's, you're necessarily going to get this in that kind of a film because, uh, again, it's a 60-foot shark that's capable of swallowing a person whole because <laughs> its tooth is about the size of the, you know, its tooth is about the size of a human being. You're not going to get that kind of movie in this because you know you chose the wrong species for it but <laughs> yeah it's just you know my kind of film it's you know a cheesy fun action-packed romp and uh i have a lot of fun with it so uh my number nine is the meg yeah that's a solid shark film 
And I think I agree with you. Um, with with the story that perpetuates with Meg, I think the shark alone was was enough to like keep the story going without all the gore. Would I have watched that with the gore? Absolutely. Um, I just remember. I, I believe that the Meg has um, the guy from. The Office, doesn't he? The one that plays Dwight Schrute? Yeah, Ray Wilson? yeah, Ray yeah. Wilson. He's the one that, yeah, he, he's the, uh, I think he's the billionaire guy. Yes, I just remember there were a lot of, like, really funny scenes with him in the film. Um, it brings an element of comedy as well. Like, it doesn't take itself too seriously with the shark genre, um, which I really appreciated. And The Shallows, that is one of my favorite movies as well. I did not see that one when I was looking for PG-13 films, so that probably would have made my list. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know me and my shark movies, so I kept track of that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, um, I was really close to putting it on, but then I would have been like right here in this kind of placement, so I kind of felt bad putting two shark movies at the very back end, so... Yeah, um, I'll say that right now, The Shallows is an honorable mention, and then Meg is right there, so. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah, so uh, moves us to number eight. My number eight is the 2010 film Insidious, directed by James Wan, and it is categorized as horror, mystery, thriller. And this film follows a married couple and three children who move into a new home. And one of the sons, like, spontaneously just goes into a random coma out of nowhere. He has three months of treatment, and the doctors cannot figure out what is wrong. So then shortly after he goes back home, paranormal events start taking place in the house. And... It's very creepy. It's another possession-type film that was very effective for me. I remember being scared after watching it the first time I saw it in the theater. And I don't want to give too much away with the plot because it's definitely one you have to go in watching without really... I mean, obviously people know a lot about it because it's been around for a while. But if you haven't seen it, going into it blind just makes the experience that much better like when I watched it I had no idea what to expect and there's a lot of twists and turns in it and for a PG-13 horror film this is pretty scary too so my number eight is Insidious Ah! (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah um, I'm a fan of this one as well Um, for a lot of what you said uh, I think the imagery here is just fantastic um i love a lot of the uh you know the ghost shots here um especially when we get um you know kind of with the uh, second one where we kind of learn a little bit more about it so it's a great uh, pairing when you see the two of them together because it kind of fills you in on um, a lot of the timeline stuff here mm-hmm. but it, in in isolation part one still works uh, pretty well just you know like i said with the added knowledge of two it just makes the <laughs> scenes that much better but yeah, um, I I really like this one as well. Um, I, I I kind of lowered it 
just a tad once uh, The Conjuring came out because I realized it, this was kind of like a good test run for it. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of loses the impact just because a lot of the stuff um, in Conjuring, I like it. It does a, a little bit more. Um, I'm 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 a bigger fan of The Conjuring than I am Insidious, but I still really like both of them. So, but yeah, number eight for me was Insidious. So <laughs> rock and roll. We both have that at number eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. No, that yeah. red the red faced demon in that is terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I actually prefer the bride more than the demon, um, but yeah, they're they're both uh, pretty up there. I think they're both uh, pretty memorable figures. Um, I, I think I prefer the bride just because I think the backstory to that one's a little bit more interesting. But yeah, if you look at the visuals of that, the first thing you the first time you see it because it's the infamous uh, you know gift shot or meme or whatever it's been turned into. Uh, yeah, that thing just that that terrifies you. Um, Mm-hmm. And the, the story's so cool too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I love the the whole idea of uh, you know time travel and like split personalities and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I have a I have a really fun time with it. So yeah, um, <laughs> be cool. So uh, brings us to uh, number seven. <laughs> All right, my number seven is the 1988 film. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, directed by Stephen Chido, and this is categorized as a horror comedy sci-fi. So this story follows a guy and his girlfriend. They are at the local makeout spot, and they notice a strange glowing object falling to the earth. A local farmer actually thinks it's Haley's Comet, so he goes to investigate it, And he comes across this large circus tent. And the guy and the girlfriend, they go to observe this circus tent. And they see these clowns that are just meandering through the circus tent. And they're actually aliens. But... This is such a fun horror film. I watched this so many times when I was younger, and I can still watch it today and appreciate it. It's cheesy. It's fun. There are bazooka guns that shoot popcorn. There are people that get turned into cotton candy. And there's one scene with that that just sticks out in my head that probably traumatized me as a child when you find out, like, why they have the cotton candy with the people inside them. Um, But there were also, like, parts of this where I I felt bad for some of the clowns. Like, there's this little baby clown, and he's getting picked on by, like, these bikers. But you don't feel bad for him for too long because he's strong, and he can, like, own these bikers. And the look of the clowns, I thought, was very well done with their makeup and this is this is just a, a silly slapstick movie well it's not a slapstick movie it's a very comical horror film that is definitely not meant to be taken seriously at all but that's what makes it so fun and the fact that i can still watch it today and appreciate it and just remember it for all of its glory just that's why it made my list. Nice. Yeah, um I'm 
I, I like it as well. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of uh, the nostalgia for it, so it's not on my list or honorable mentions, but um, I, I, I don't have much to dislike about it. I mean, you know, you, you're pretty close on it. It's just, you know, goofy, silly fun. You know, a lot of, you know, just inventive toys and, you know, just goofy, you know, attitudes and all that. So, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of uh, issues with it. Just I, I, I don't have the nostalgia attached to it because I saw it kind of late. Um, so when I first got into the genre, I, I didn't really like like a lot of the late 80s cheesy stuff when I initially first got into horror. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw those as kind of like, you know, just silly and, you know, like not really worth my time. So I kind of avoided a lot of stuff from that time period for like the longest time. It took me like several years to finally like develop enough of a taste to get into like that, that style. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, um, I mean, Monster Squad or um, uh, Gremlins, um, a lot of, you know, like a lot of the, like the late 80s, like goofy, silly stuff. It, it <laughs> took me like a while, um, you know, Critters, Ghoulies, that, that kind of stuff. It took me a while to like get a taste for them. So I, I don't have like a lot of nostalgia for it. So uh, I, 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 I recognize how much fun it is, but I'm not like, you know, madly in love with it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not on my list, but I, I don't really have much of an issue with it, so. Right on. Yeah. yeah, and I completely get that, too. There have been so many films that I have watched as an adult that I think I would have appreciated more if I had seen them when I was younger. Yeah. And this is, this. I don't think I would have liked this one as much if I saw it now as what I did when I was a kid. Because I, I watched it repeatedly when I was a kid, so that's why. Yeah, I, I see it much more as one of those that's like, you know, you're, you know, young and impressionable and you see like, you know, clowns and, you know, they're pieing people in the face and <laughs> shooting them with bazooka guns and, you know, there's bubbles popping all over the place and, you know, the, you, you kind of have like more of, you know, like the childlike innocence and, you know, you see like more of the whimsy in what they're doing rather than, you know, the fact that what they're actually doing to the population, but <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's still ridiculous, fun. but it's fun. Yeah, it's still, <laughs> like I said, it's still fun, and I still enjoy it, but I I don't really have the nostalgia attached to it to put it on my list, so. Right on. Yeah, um, for my number seven, I went with um, the classic uh, 2002, The Ring. Right on. Yeah. That's um, on my list, too. <laughs> I kind of figured, yeah, that was... I, I kind of figure there's going to be a few crossovers. Um, I mean, I wasn't anticipating Insidious uh, where we were, but um, yeah, there's going to be a couple, and this is uh, one um, for me. So um, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Well, you know, no need to you know really go full on in this one. Um, I saw this one pretty close to when it came out, so it's one that I'm I kind of have a little bit more nostalgia to. Um, so I, I, I actually did rent this on a videotape from the from the store. So, <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I, um, this was like one of the last ones that I rented, um, just because you know the stores around me were closing down. So, um, this was kind of like one of the last ones that I picked up. So, yeah, I, I still remember thinking, you know, like it was safe to like return the tape because you know if I was gonna return the tape too late, I thought you know Samara would get me. <laughs> So, she's um, creepy. She's creepy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of you know like my little story that uh, you know connected me to her with that one. But it it still holds up. It's kind of uh, I don't really like um, a lot of that 
um, gray blue lighting that they wash over the entire thing. So it kind of knocks it. To me, I, I kind of use that as like the separating factor between uh, this and the Grudge, um, just because I I think of them pretty highly. So that'll kind of give you an idea where the Grudge is on my list. But yeah, I, I still have enough fun with it. Uh, there's still some chilling set pieces here. Um, I, I love the opening to this. Uh, you know, the first 20 minutes of this are pretty terrifying, um, especially for me because I was still kind of new to the genre when I was watching it. So a lot of that stuff was uh, pretty chilling and you know, kind of got under my skin. Like I said, you know, wanting, thinking that if I, you know, returned to Too Late, Samara would get me. And <laughs> yeah, I, I had a lot of uh, a lot of fond memories of this when I first rented it. So. I, I still hold it up pretty highly. Um, not, like I said, uh, just uh, separate uh, this and the grudge by a uh, few factors, but uh, for me, number seven is uh, The Ring. Very good pick. That one's, like we said, also on my list, and I'll tell you my thoughts when I get to that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on to number six. Number six for me is the 1992 film Death Becomes Her, directed by Robert Zemeckis. This is classified as a horror comedy fantasy, and this story follows a narcissistic actress named Madeline Ashton, and she invites a frenemy named Helen Sharp to come see her show, and Helen brings her fiancé, Ernest to the show and it stars Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis and Madeline hits it off with Ernest and Ernest dumps Helen to go pursue a relationship with the actress Madeline. So what transpires here with this story after like 14 or 7 years um, between the time where Madeline has taken Ernest from Helen, they she stumbles across this immortality potion that is given to her by this woman named, I believe it's Lysel or something, L-I-S-L-E is how you spell it. But what it will do is keep her young and beautiful forever. So after she embarks on that, she has this this rivalry with Helen, who plays Goldie Hawn, and just the story that transpires between these two, it's very comical. The, the story brings across jealousy very well. Um, I really love tropes in films that have to do with, like, living forever with immortality and um, also where there are rivals and they're like competing against each other. This is a very, it's, it's horror in the sense of like what happens to the characters in it. And it's a story that has always stuck with me. This is one that me and my sister would watch over and over when we were younger as well. And it's definitely great for a movie night, too. And the ending is, like, the best ever. Like, it's, like, embranded in my mind. But, yeah, this is one of my favorites. 
Nice. Um, I saw this once. Um, I watched it years ago. Um, I remember a few scenes, but I don't have the fondest recollection because I've only seen it the once. Mm-hmm. So it's one that I'm kind of intrigued to kind of revisit just because I've seen a few um, other podcasts that have done shows on it. Uh, um, there's a few that, you know, kind of have, uh, you know, done like a horror comedy month and they put this one in there or um, a few that have done like, a, you know, ever since the, the news came out, uh, they, you know, for Bruce Willis and, you know, his uh, acting, you know, struggles, they've kind of, uh, you know, done this one as like a memorial tribute to him. So it's one that I'm kind of intrigued to go back and revisit, um, but I, I haven't uh, had the time to do so yet. But So I've, I've seen it once, and I don't have the fog, a lot of recognition with it, so I, I, I you know, I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan of horror comedy, it, it's it's definitely engaging from beginning to end, and it does have some, like, over-the-top moments in it but that's just part of its charm <laughs> yeah I, I do remember laughing at a lot of it um i, I do remember finding it funny um there's a like you know a lot of uh, you know slapstick pratfalls and uh you know a few just like you know bizarre set pieces i mean i know sure it's you know kind of familiar because of the you know it's a scene in the trailer but you know the candlestick through her bot through her torso she's using that to light her way through the house or... <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, I remember, like, that whole sequence. I remember um, a few little bits and pieces, but like I said, I, I've seen it once years ago, and I don't have a lot of recognition, of recollection of it, so um, <clears throat> I'll move on to uh, my number six. Uh, like I said earlier, this is kind of one that um, I, I, I don't know if there's a lot of people that really remember this one, but I was always a fan of this one, and I really liked it when it uh, first came out. Uh, 2006's The Skeleton Key. Ah, right on. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely loved this one when I first saw it. Um, I, I kind of lowered it over the years, but um, I, I really enjoyed it uh, the first time I saw it. So um, I, it's uh, about a woman who goes to work as a um, hospice nurse um, at this remote plantation in uh, Louisiana. And eventually comes to discover that uh, it's not her charge that she needs to uh, look after, who's um, an elderly man who uh, I believe slipped and fell in the bathtub. I think that's the uh, reason why she's called out to look after him. Um, like I said, it's been a few years, and I don't re- I don't remember the exact cause, but she's called out to look after him and eventually discovers that there's something nefarious going on. So... It kind of starts off as a haunted house movie, and then it turns into this uh, voodoo cult uh, scenario halfway through. And I remember loving the way that it pulls it off uh, when I first watched it. A lot of creepy atmosphere. I'm a big fan of gothic horror. Um, You know, whether it be the old school hammer style or southern gothic that uh, is portrayed here. Uh, You know, Louisiana is just absolutely perfect, you know. I love a lot of films that are set there, so working within that, working, you know, with the haunted house film, and, and, you know, you bring in this nice twist involving cults, and, you know, you bring voodoo and black magic into it, and I I really had a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it, so I don't know if it's one that, like I said, a lot of people have kind of forgotten about, but I always had a lot of fun with it, so... Um, 
I went with uh, that one as uh, my number six. Yeah, I really like that one, too. It didn't make my list, but I just remember the ending being so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I remember that the first time as well, because I always, for the longest time, I always had that as, like, one of the best twist endings that worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember catching that. Um, I remember. I remember that the first time I watched. The first couple times I watched it, it was. I was like, "Wow, I love the way that they pull it off." Because I thought it was pretty uh, inventive the way that they did it. But yeah, um, I, I was always a huge fan of that one, and I was always kind of, you know, I maybe not championing it as like the right term, but always kind of like trying to put it out there as like something to like go back in and revisit and check out again. So yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Alright, so uh, that moves us to our top five. For my number five, I chose the 2000 film What Lies Beneath, also from Robert Zemeckis. This story follows a former cellist player and her husband, who is a scientist and a professor. They're living this quiet life in Vermont, their daughter leaves for college, and you pick up on this sense that the husband and the wife, played by Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford, they have a strained relationship. There are some new neighbors that move across the street, and the wife, she starts to experience some supernatural things in her house, and... What this film does so, so well, it, it's captivating, it's intense, it has twists and turns that you don't see coming, and the story is very effective as well. Like, this is, for, for me, this is a solid ghost story, and it, it also has some elements of possession as well, which I'm noticing a theme of that with the films that I have shown <laughs> here, like a lot of possession type stuff, um, because I find that very terrifying. And there is one scene in this film that involves a bathtub that just literally had me biting my nails. I don't want to give too much away with that for those who have not seen it, but this is a very effective ghost story that just... It, it's captivating from beginning to end, and, like, I always still think about it. Nice, yeah. Um, this is on my honorable mentions. I, again, I couldn't squeeze it onto my list, but I'm a big fan as well. I really like a lot of where it goes. The, you know, marital infidelity and you know, just distrust that goes on a big part of the first half. I really like that uh, mm -hmm. setup there because it kind of plays a lot of role once, you know, you start getting all the ghostly uh, happenings because you can't really trust what she's saying. So I, I love that kind of dynamic that they set up. Um, you know, again, a lot of the scenes are pretty chilling. Um, I, like I said, I, I really like it as well. I, just, I wish I could have put it on my list, but uh, it's um, an honorable mention, so. <laughs> well, I'm happy you like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for my number five, uh, we talked about it. Uh, this is where I have the grudge. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, one of the, you know, centerpieces of that early 2000s, you know, J-horror remake trend. Love, love the ghost in this one. Um, 
I I don't really have much of a preference over this one or the original, um, the original Juwan, which uh, is one of my favorite Asian horror films. Uh, the love the you know the setup here, the the you know the straightforward storyline because uh, the original version. Um, the one thing I don't really like about that is it kind of jumps around, so you don't really know where you are, and you know storyline wise, but. The streamlining nature of this one works really well for me. I like the, uh, you know, the, the cast is pretty fun. You know, you got some, you know, A-list stars at the time. Uh, you know, just really fun all around. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, uh, you can see why it kind of kick-started a lot of the, uh, you know, later films at the time. But, uh, yeah, uh, I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, it still holds up pretty well. Uh, went with 2004's The Grudge. I love The Grudge, too. It, it's not on my list. It's definitely an honorable mention. Um, I have received so much hate for loving The Grudge. I think it is genuinely scary. Mm -hmm. the, the scenes where I believe the actress is Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I think she was very effective with... Um, I believe she she plays a house sitter and there is like a ghost boy in the closet and yeah oh it's just so well oh, done yeah. I love oh yeah it. The, yeah those those early scenes of her in the the house with the ghost girl yeah yeah those are really chilling um a lot of the I I think it's the uh, hospital sequence where uh, the ghost is chasing after her and it switches stories from her to her friend mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really kind of chilling as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of The Grudge as well. It's definitely one that I, like I said, it still holds up pretty well, so. Yes, and the scene where uh, the the ghost is, like, climbing down the stairs, I just get chills thinking about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, move on to uh, number four. All right. My number four is the 2018 film A Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski, and it's classified as a horror drama sci-fi film. And this story is a dystopian story about these blind aliens with sharp hearing who take over the planet and kill most everyone. So the characters... It follows this family, this mom and this dad, and a family of uh, three children, and they're navigating the world, being very quiet, and this film is so effective in terms of just having to rely on being so quiet, and the, the aliens, like, if you make the slightest noise, they know exactly where you are, and just how this family navigates this new world that they are thrust in at the drop of a dime. They, you're, you become attached to the characters, too, because of how emotionally connected they are. So you feel for them when things happen to them in the film. It's like you feel it on an energetic level within yourself. And... The, the the alien monsters in this I thought were terrifying. I thought this was one of the most intense movies I've ever seen. My sister actually seen this before I did. She goes, you have to go and watch this. So whenever Lacey <laughs> um, 
talks highly of a movie like that, I always have a tendency to go out and watch it as well because, I mean, we don't have similar tastes in movies on everything, but there are certain movies that affect us on emotional level, and the fact that it affected her in that way, I'm like, I have a feeling I'm going to love this, and I did. Nice. Uh, we will talk about that in, uh, shortly, just because we're kind of at that stage in the list, but uh, yeah, it's on mine as well. Nice. <laughs> yeah, um, so my number four, uh, I went with The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Right on. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this one. I, I, I've kind of come around to this one a lot over the years. Um, initially, I wasn't really much of a fan. I was kind of put off by a lot of the uh, drama courtroom scenes. Uh, even back then, a lot of it just seemed off, um, just the way that they conduct the trial. And uh, watching a couple of videos over the years, it's kind of reinforced that issue for me. But um, it, when it deals with the uh, supernatural and all of the, you know, the backstory involving how she's got possessed and, you know, all the, you know, troubled signs that she's going through. Yeah, this is, some of the stuff is still nightmare fuel. Um, you know, just the, the first time when she starts uh, contorting herself and just, you know, that howl and agony and, you know, see her eyes roll over. And I, I was kind of just not necessarily like in shock, but it was just kind of like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just like a complete shock that, you know, it did that in, you know, reading that she, it was actually her, not a body double and not CGI. It was kind of just, you know, made that seat, that stuff all the more impressive. Right. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I really enjoy it. I, I've come to really appreciate it over the years because I really wasn't that high on it when I first saw it. But yeah, I, I gave it some time and it's definitely worked its way up uh, the list for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of it as well. A big fan of it now. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm right there with you with... Uh, with that one uh for me number four is uh exorcism of emily rose yeah it's a good one it's scary and it is interesting how sometimes you can watch a film and not feel very good about it and then you give it another watch over time and how it can grow on you i've had that happen so many times with certain yeah. movies i've watched it's crazy yeah and uh for me it was even more so because a lot of the stuff that i ever since I first watched it, there was a lot of stuff that I found out about it that it would kind of, like, take my interest away from it. Mm-hmm. So it was actually kind of interesting when I first watched, when I, you know, when I revisited it a couple of years after I first saw it, where I was like, you know, mm, I don't know, and, you know, I really wasn't that high on it when I first watched it, and a lot of the stuff that I've heard about it hasn't really been that, you know, intriguing about it. But, yeah, over the years, I've kind of really grew towards it, so... Um. Yeah, for me, number four is Exorcism of Emily Rose. Right on. So, uh, move to number three. Number three for me is the 2017 film Happy Death Day, directed by Christopher Landon. This is categorized as a horror comedy mystery, and the story follows this girl where she finds she is living the same day over and over again, which happens to be on her birthday. And the day keeps ending with this masked killer that keeps murdering her, which keeps the time loop going. So every day she's forced to have to figure out how she can figure out who this killer is and also how to stay alive if she can. And this, the ending to this 
is it, it's a big twist ending that I did not see coming. And it's also very comedic in parts, but it's also a unique take on a slasher because I love time loop movies. Like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's not a horror film. It's Groundhog's Day, which I think may have started the time loop. I'm not sure if that's the first one. That's the first one that I remember. But to see that brought into the horror genre, I thought it was so cool. And it's just interesting to see how when somebody is forced to live the same day over and over again, how out of control that is. And to see, like, their progression as a human being. Like, you do see this where this girl was in the beginning of the film, how she was more toxic in nature, and how living through this experience really did change her. And it's a lot of fun. I can watch this multiple times and never get sick of it. Nice, yeah. I'll uh, talk about this when it pops up on my list. Nice! (laughs) That would be six. Yeah. But uh, for now, uh, my number three is A Quiet Place. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think we kind of swapped a uh, couple uh, couple places on our stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I, I just I cannot just be more impressed with the, the setup for this one. I, one of the most creative and just absolutely enthralling set pieces I've ever seen. Just the way that you can't speak and you know you can't you know make like noise or you know you think like all of the you just you know incidental stuff that goes on in your life whether you know trampling through the carpet or you know you open the lock on the door or you pull the brush out of the drawer you know like you know incidental stuff like that that would you know you can't do because it would give away your position to these things that you can't kill I mean Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's just absolutely amazing and the way that it plays with that you know in the you get like all this you know backstory with the family you get like you know scenes here and there that kind of just like depict what they're going through yeah this is just so much fun uh love the you know final half where they finally finally start battling and you know you get all kinds of you know little confrontations here and there you know spread throughout the the farm or you know you get the you know, battle down in the basement with the beings and, you know, they're trying to save their daughter, their, not their daughter, but their baby, you know, that's, you know, along, it's, you know, being birthed at the same time, you know, yeah, it's so much fun. Uh, Yeah, I was really impressed with that one and I had so much fun with it. So, yeah, I'm right there with you with uh, Quiet Place. Yeah, (laughs) it's, it's it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, moving on to our final two. All right. My number two is the 2002 film, The Ring, which we've talked about a little bit here. Uh, It's categorized as a horror mystery directed by Gore Verbinski. Um, It follows a journalist investigating a mysterious videotape, which seems to cause the death of anyone who watches it within seven days. And when this movie came on the scene, like, every time I hear people talk about this movie... They talk about how scary it is for being a PG-13. And there are scenes in this that are still branded in my mind. There's a scene with a television that just takes your breath away. You feel like you're there with these people. 
you are following the investigation with the journalist who's played by Naomi Watts. The story is unnerving, it's unsettling, and what's even more scary about this is that the the supernatural character in this film is that of a child, a creepy child. And we we talked about this on our show on um, Slumber Party Massacre. We did a a show on creepy kids, and we kind of did a deep dive into Samara's character on that show. And, yeah, she definitely leaves an impression. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, the Mino's on my list as well, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on to my number two, it's Happy Death Day. <laughs> right on. Yeah, so um, we kind of swapped with the last two. Uh, you had it four <laughs> and three. I have them three and three and two. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I was just enthralled with this one when I first watched it. I had so much fun with it. Um, you know, I, I the time loop is just integrated just absolutely so well into this. There's no shortage of just fantastic set pieces with the slasher just going around picking people off or you know picking her off uh, all over the place um yeah it's just an absolute blast uh you know the character development that goes on is you know a fantastic touch you know it adds more depth to it than just you know being this mindless body count or you know her body you know being counted so many times over but yeah, the, this is just an absolutely just amazing uh, experience. I had so much fun with it, and uh, it's definitely it's uh, still one of my favorites of the decade. So yeah, it was uh, definitely one that made a big impression, and uh, I'm a big fan of that one as well. So <laughs> I liked the the sequel as well. I thought that was pretty solid. I did too. Um, I it I, I know it's a little bit of a step down. I would have preferred that one if they would have kept it on the guy for the first few times instead ah. of switching it to Tree. Yeah. Because I, th I think switching it back to Tree just kind of makes it feel like a little bit of a retread. And I thought the sequel could have had a lot more fun if, you know, she's trying to coach him through it. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been a better way to go about it where, you know, it, it happened so she's aware of it. So she's using the, her experiences to try to make to try to get him through it and try to figure out what's going on. I thought that would have been a more interesting way of going about it, but I don't hate it. I, I, I realize it's a bit of a step down, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it like a lot of the community did either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it um, for, you know, being a sequel. I thought that it stayed pretty true to the same elements that the first one did. Um, just in a different way, and I, I, I liked how there were, like, parallel realities that were kind of taking place and how they implemented yeah. that into the film. I thought it was cool. Yeah, there's, like I said, there's some fun ideas involved here. Um, I, I, I really like where, you know, it expands on the mythology and, you know, putting, like, a, you know, not necessarily, like, a face to it, but, like, giving, like, a definitive explanation for what happened. I think that was a pretty fun way to go, but... I would have preferred the second one if it would have went, you know, in the the other direction where she's trying to coach him through it rather than switching it to her. So I, I would probably have thought equally if it would have, you know, done it that way. But I, I'm still not mad at it. It's still a fun time. So right on. Yeah. Um, 
that brings us to our final choices. So let's get uh, your number one. My number one is the 2007 film 1408. It is categorized as a horror mystery fantasy directed by Michael Hafstrom. And it's based off of a story that was written by Stephen King. It follows this writer who is very skeptical about the spiritual world. So he travels to all of these places that claim that they are haunted. And then he writes about it. But he hadn't experienced anything. So he's just kind of, kind of just really skeptical about experiencing anything ghostly because he hasn't experienced it. And he is estranged from his wife after the death of their daughter, Katie. And out of after staying at this one hotel, he receives a strange postcard about this hotel called the Dolphin Hotel, about this room named 14, or this room 1408. And the story behind it is that no one has lasted more than one hour inside this room. So he's intrigued by that. He <laughs> goes to this hotel. Samuel L. Jackson is one of the, the guys that works at the hotel who checks people in or takes them to their room and whatnot. And he, the main guy is played by John Cusack. And he's telling him... He goes, you do not want to do this. He keeps trying to talk him out of it. And he, <laughs> and John Cuse is like, yeah, I think I'll be okay. And he goes, okay. And he's in the room for like probably not even a minute. And he's walking around. He's just like scoffing at the room. He goes, yeah, this really looks terrifying. And then like the radio like blares on and it's the song we've only just begun like this room just like taunts him this entire film and whereas he wasn't skeptical before he learns a lot about the supernatural world and this also has a very good ending in my opinion it's one that has stayed with me since i have watched it i love this film I have watched it many times, and like the others on this list, I can repeatedly watch it and not get sick of it. Nice. Uh, it, this was another one for me. It was kind of uh, I another like Emily Rose, where I didn't really like it the first time I saw it, but I've kind of grown to I've grown with it over the years. Um, mm -hmm. Not enough for it to be on my list because I. I still have a few uh, a few things that I, I'm not really that big on it, but uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot more now than I did when I first saw it, so I, I can definitely see where a lot of it would work. Um, a few of the scenes are actually pretty genuinely creepy and chilling. Um, I, I do like a lot of the, you know, for me, time displacement is always one of the things that gets me, um, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, stuff saying, you know, we've only been here for 10 minutes. It's like, you know, no, we've only, it's like, you know, no, we've been here for over an hour. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, stuff like that, that always gets me. I'm, I'm always really, I always get kind of like freaked out when the, they, they pull stuff like that out in film. So that one, yeah, that, that's, that, that's part of the film works for me, but I, I still have a few issues with it. So it kind of holds it down just a little bit, but I, 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 I've grown over, I've grown with that one over the years. Not like Emily Rose, but yeah, I've, I've kind of grown to appreciate that one a little bit more as well. So, 
Yeah. Solid pick. So, uh, for me, mine, um, not, I don't know if this one would kind of be a surprise, but um, I think it would be more of a, uh, you know, expected one. I went with the 1990s arachnophobia. Okay. So, I've always been a fan of this one. I've always uh, really liked the idea. Um, Just this, uh, you you know, real quick. So, a uh, expedition into the Amazon uncovers this uh, strange spider species that is just incredibly lethal. Like, it can actually knock out a full-grown person within minutes. So, uh, one of the crew members gets knocked off. They ship the body back to America, but unbeknownst to them, one of the one of the spider species is uh, inside the box with them. So, he makes a trip back, and uh, when they bring the body to the uh, small town for burial, the spider gets loose and runs ravaged through the community, biting people left and right who are completely un- un- unaware that it's there. Just because, you know, it's a spider from the Amazon. Who would, you know, think that there's, you know, anything like that in small town California, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's up to uh, this exterminator and the, the new town doctor and the sheriff to put a stop to everything. So, yeah, I've always been a big fan of this one. Um, I love, love the, you know, spider attack scenes. You, you get an idea that, you know, something's there, but they're not quite sure how to deal with it. A lot of the, you know, the set pieces, you know, because it's a spider, you know, they're just naturally chilling to begin with. And, you know, this idea that this thing is taking over the town and nobody can figure out how to stop it. You, you get, you know, great performances from uh, John Goodman as the exterminator who's provides a little comic relief, but he's still, you know, he's still not a complete joke at his job. He's still competent enough to, you know, deal with the situation and be effective. But, yeah, I, I've always been a big fan of this one. It's always been one that's um, really worked for me. I saw it kind of early on when I was a genre fan, so it, it uh, still sticks with me over the years. But, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm still a big fan of this one. So uh, went with that one uh, for my number one was Arachnophobia. Right on. I think I've only seen that one once or twice. But, yeah, definitely if you have a fear of spiders – then that movie will terrify you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good movie about spiders. I am having a hard time like recalling a lot of what happened in it, so it definitely may be one that I revisit soon. Yeah, I, I, it's been a few years since I've seen it, so I I don't have like a, you know, plot by plot breakdown of it. I I still I just have like the foggy, the the general framework of the story just because I, you know, I've seen it enough to have that, at least that part down, but yeah, I've always been a big fan of this one. It's always been one that stuck with me, so. Yeah. <laughs> Good pick. So, uh, with that, uh, do we have any uh, honorable mentions left over? Yeah. When you mentioned The Shallows, if I had come across that film, I'm, I probably would have put that on my top 10. So I definitely want to give an honorable mention to that. That is a phenomenal shark movie. I I love that one a lot. And also, The Grudge is one of my favorites as well. The Skeleton, the skeleton Key is really good. Um, we talked briefly about this um, a little bit beforehand. Um, the Monster Squad, if you would consider that horror PG-13, uh, that's a, a yeah. really fun one. <laughs> Uh, yeah. definitely a lot of nostalgia around that film for me. 
Nice, yeah. Um, I mean, I have the shallows in my honorable mentions as well. Uh, like I said, I I didn't want to put, you know, two shark movies at the very back end of it, so um, I, I kind of put the Meg over the shallows, but I, I still really enjoy that one as well, so it would probably be, uh, it would be on that list for sure. Um, I also had Tremors, uh, you know, honor of, uh, you know, Burt Ward who just passed away, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that one. Not, you know, as crazy as a lot of people are, so um, definitely uh, worthy of mentioning. And uh, another one that I, I don't know if a lot of people would know that I'm actually a fan of, but uh, one that I do is uh, The Sixth Sense. Um, I love that too. <laughs> yeah, it's one that I, I, I don't know if a lot of people are aware that I'm a, I'm a fan of that one. Um, we were mentioning earlier about M. Night, and uh, that's one of uh, his uh, hits for me. So, um, yeah, I that saw one. that. I saw that one in the theater, and I did not know what was going on the entire time. But uh, my 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 grandma figured it out though, and <laughs> I don't know how she knew because I was like, I did not pick up on it at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't remember if I knew, because um, I I. I definitely remember being uh, shook when I first saw it because I didn't see it. I don't, I, it just, you know, like the way it played out. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was one of those where even if I, I, I don't know where um, I picked it up because I, 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 I've, over the years, I, I kind of have started uh, noticing it more and more. But um, so it's kind of one of the reasons why it's not on the list just because uh, it's actually one that's gone down on rewatches just because. I noticed myself spending more time trying to pinpoint when, you know, you start realizing the twist rather than just letting the film play out. So if I would have watched it just once, it would probably be on my list. But because I've seen it several times, it's one that's kind of I I spend more time looking for when you when, you know, it's obvious that, uh, you know, he's dead the entire time. So, (laughs) but yeah, it's, uh, you know, still one that's worth mentioning because there's still some chilling scenes here. And, you know, it's a great idea to begin with. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess that brings us to uh, the end of the show. So this was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, coming on board and doing this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I was so excited to come and do this and uh, it's been a lot of fun to talk about these movies with you. Yeah, same here. So uh, if there's any place uh, that people can find you online, uh, give uh, some shout outs and uh, let them know where they can find you. Oh, Yeah. I am part of a podcast called The Slumber Party Massacre. There's a Facebook group. My sister runs the show, and we do it with three other women, Carly, Rebecca, and Heather. And it's a monthly show, so all of the episodes are dropped on Anchor, so you can find all the shows there. And I also have my own YouTube channel called Foresight Channeler where I do intuitive card readings and channel messages in movies, books, and music. So that's a lot of fun, too. Nice, yeah. Um, I will have everything linked down below in the show notes for you to uh, find and check out. So definitely look into it. And this actually makes uh, two out of the five uh, Slumber Party Massacre Girls, because I've had Rebecca a few weeks ago. Uh, we we looked at uh, 1980s one-shot slashers, so... Oh, awesome. So, yeah, um, I've got two of the five so far, so <laughs> working cool. my way through. 
But uh, yeah, uh, for those that are interested, I will have uh, Nikki's links down below for you to uh, find out. So thank you again for listening and see you next time with a new episode.